welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. We are in our fifth week of Prepared. So if you haven't been here for the Prepared series, we're focusing on this Ephesians passage you just heard. We've heard it five times now, and hopefully it's becoming familiar. And earlier in the letter, Paul has told the people in Ephesus that they are a new people, a new humanity, a new identity in Christ. It extends well beyond any categories that people had created for themselves. Anything that had formerly excluded groups, it doesn't matter in Christ. We're in a new humanity with a new identity. We exist in this, this world where the categories and things exist. We exist in, in the, the world where other rulers reign and there's presence that's not God. But we also exist in this place where there is the new identity and God's rule and reign is present. And we're somehow caught in the middle of this time. The cross began the kingdom's uh, movement beyond Christ. And one day it will all come together and it will be done and we'll be heaven on earth, and we'll get to celebrate in that in our resurrected bodies. Amen? But it's not yet. It's not yet. And so, here we are. Our struggle, in the meantime, is not with humans, Paul says, but it's with the ruling powers, cosmic authority and of darkness and spiritual powers of the heavens. Sounds like, a, I don't know, a movie or something. But it's real. Paul says. Our struggle is not with people. And if we're going to be ready for the struggle that comes at any given time, then we have to have the armor of God. So we, we've been working through the pieces of armor. And so we did the belt of truth, the breastplate of justice, the shoes of the gospel of peace, and the shield of faith. And today it is the helmet of salvation. We've been working through each of these words and what they mean. So salvation is going to be our word, and it is packed with meaning, especially in the church. Perhaps you've heard the word salvation before, yes? Yeah. For many of you, it's like, well, that's, that's why I'm here. Salvation. The entire Bible, from beginning to end, presents salvation, but it presents it in all these different ways. Some that, it seems like there's just a myriad of meaning behind it. And I invite us not to think of it that way, that there's one right way, but to use an ancient Jewish image, which they use for reading Scripture themselves, which is to think of a large gem, and if we had a large gem and we held it in the light and we looked through it, it would present to us a beautiful display of light reflecting and refracting, right? We love these. We love rocks, right? People pay a lot of money to get some of those rocks on their hand or around their wrist or in their ears. Amen? Anybody got any of those rocks? I know it sounds like, why are you calling it a rock? Well, that's what it is. But it's a gem. It's beautiful and it presents beauty and we like the way it sparkles and moves. And if you held a gem to the light and you just sat, you'd see some light, but you wouldn't see anything like if you turned it and started looking at it through different angles and perspectives and let it reveal its beauty by seeing it from different angles and perspectives. And salvation is the same way. The Jewish people say that reading scripture, when you read and talk about it, you all are bringing these different perspectives and it's a gem to be enjoyed. It's not just finding the right way and holding tight, and that's all there is. That's, that kills the whole point. Salvation's the same way. And so we see the development of salvation through Scripture. One, as people started to understand it more and more, and two, just the different ways that God uses salvation. So 
in the Old Testament, the word for salvation is Yeshua. Can you say Yeshua? Anyone, is that familiar to anybody? Joshua, it is the biblical term for Joshua. And who else? Jesus. Jesus' name was Yeshua, Joshua. We say Jesus because it's a Greek rendering, and they threw the word Zeus in there, so it's Iezus. It's kind of weird, and that deserves another time of discussion. But Yeshua is how Jesus, this is the name, salvation. Salvation. In the Old Testament, before Jesus, there was another, there was Joshua, there was the story of the Exodus, and that's the key passage, that's the key story for the Jewish faith. Jesus was Jewish, you know. And the gospel writers, many of them were Jewish. Paul was Jewish. So Exodus would have been key because that's their story, Moses and what God did. So there are seven parts to this story that are key to know for salvation. One, the people Israel, the people that were children of Abraham who were selected by God to be the people through which God would work, bring blessing to the whole world. They were enslaved in Egypt. They were made to flourish, but that was being impeded by the slavery. And so they cried out for help. And God always hears the cry of the oppressed, always. And God responds by coming to deliver them, but not in some magical way, but through creation. So Moses was called. That's a fun story. Go to chapter 3 and listen to Moses go, you've got the wrong guy. But God works through people. And then God uses the rest of creation through the plagues. Now you've got insects, amphibians, you've got all sorts of stuff going on there. Then God uses the water and rolls back the sea so that they can leave. And then they are led by a pillar of smoke and fire. And that that pillar of fire showed up a little earlier too. God uses creation, frees the people, restores them to a life of fullness and flourishing in their own land, and then comes to dwell with them. That's the story. That's deliverance. That's saving. That's salvation. Of course, the story... How'd they get there? You go all the way back to Genesis and you read the original intent. God created us and said, flourish. Said, subdue creation. Sometimes this word gets misunderstood. Um, If you notice in the story, we're made from the dirt. You read in Genesis 2. But then we're made to work with the dirt. God didn't make the garden until people were here. Because we're from the dirt, but we work with the dirt. Because the point is we help each other flourish. And then all the animals, we help each other flourish flourish. God said, go and flourish with all of creation. And we said, I got a better idea. And so the story goes. We, uh, we wanted to play judge for ourselves, the knowledge of good and evil. We wanted to play gods for ourselves. That didn't go well. Which is why the story of Exodus tells of this great deliverance and a reestablishment of what God tried to do back at the beginning. There is still need for God's salvation today. Amen? Which is why the Jewish people still tell the story. They tell the story in a past tense and also a present tense because it happened, but it happens. We were created to flourish, but we wanted to play gods and judges for ourselves. It happened, and it happens. Amen? So the prophets in the Old Testament, another turn of the jewel, if you will. The people get exiled. The story continues. They they mess it up again and again. And the prophets keep coming back and saying, you're still trying to do it for yourself. Now, Israel left Egypt 
And it didn't take them very long to leave Egypt, but it took 40 years for Egypt to leave them. That makes sense? And so they kept carrying it on. And so finally the prophets say, okay, God says we're going to need an entirely new heart altogether. Trying to live the same story in the same way is never going to work. This whole thing needs to be reimagined. So we come to the New Testament. The word sorterio or sozo means deliverance, rescue, healing from a serious or grave circumstance. So sometimes in Scripture, Jesus will say to someone he healed, your faith has saved you, your faith has healed you, depending on your translation. Oh, can we uh, go to the couple slides? Can we go to slide nine? There we go. Thank you. So those are the words there. And then we'll go to 10 and talk about Jesus' salvation, because salvation comes in our story through Jesus. Amen? It's pretty basic stuff, Christian 101. But Jesus brings true salvation. And as we've mentioned before, that Paul's writing this in the midst of Rome and in its own context, that Jesus brings salvation, not Rome. And in Ephesus, there were other temples of other gods, like Artemis, among others, not them. Jesus brings the salvation. Rome, this ultimate power, right? They don't bring salvation. And the cross is an image of this conflict. You look at the cross, that is the ultimate power of Rome to say, we're in control, we can crush you, we can kill you. But that same symbol reveals the power of God, that God can love you, God can forgive you, God can liberate you and save you. Same image, the same moment. Jesus is the focal point. All along from the Exodus to the prophets, they kept waiting for a good king to come along and do things the way it was supposed to be done, King Jesus. All along, they were waiting for God's presence to come again into the temple to be with them. Jesus is God dwelling with us. Jesus fulfills all of it, and we are invited into it as well. Do you remember the point of the whole story? We were told to do what? To flourish. Enjoy this heaven and earth experience with God and flourish with everything. That was the mission from the beginning. And although we've messed it up, we're invited back into it through Christ. All people, no matter what category you're in, you can all be a part of this new identity and family into this mission of God. So when we talk about salvation, sometimes we get different ideas. So we'd like to start with what are we saved from and what are we saved for? So we're saved from a life in slavery to sin, in capital S, sin, or what Paul calls it, the powers. It's this power over us. How many of you are going to sin? I love it. And if you didn't raise your hand, you lied and you sinned. Um, We are going to sin. We know exactly what we should do or shouldn't. And we, we go through the struggle on our minds and our hearts. We know, we know, we know. Can't we just do what we need to do and we just do what we shouldn't do anyway? Because we're enslaved. We're controlled. We make bad choices. We're watching the fruit of that spirit play out everywhere with division, broken relationships. People hate themselves. We deal with sickness and death. That's all products of the other kingdom of the powers. We're saved from that. Now, we're redeemed is the language. Christ redeems us. 
It's slave language, not slave in American history, slave in, in first century Jewish history. Because you would have a master who owned you, and you belong to them. You're enslaved to this thing that you can't control. They control you. Jesus comes and redeems. That's language that you would pay for, for a slave. You would buy them from their master and then grant them freedom. That word for that action is called redemption. That's the word that we find in Scripture. Because Paul says we aren't just redeemed and freed to our own delight because you know what's going to happen? We're going to go right back to where we were. Paul says we're redeemed and we're made a slave of God because it's only in God that we can actually find freedom. And what a great day to talk about freedom. But we are redeemed so that we can be led into salvation. It is an ongoing, lifelong process. Salvation is not just about, I'm an individual, I've been saved, and that's it. That's the end of the story. That's the whole point. Wrong. You're missing it. That's important. Jesus came to save us and to save you. And Jesus saves people all the time in Scripture in all these different ways because it's unique. You have your own need. But that's just the beginning. Once our relationship with God is restored through Christ, through forgiveness, through redemption, then we're called to live into this way that everything's restored around us, our relationship with our neighbors. Because when you follow the way of Christ into the way of salvation, you do some weird things. We love our enemies. It's weird. We don't retaliate. If there's a problem, we do the work of reconciliation, even if we're wrong. I'm sorry, even if we're right and they're wrong. We do the reconciliation because it's all about bringing peace, not just with our neighbors, but with all of creation so that we may flourish. And ultimately, when we're redeemed and we live this kind of life, we know one day we will be resurrected into the world where the old is gone forever. It's a good story. And it's our story. We tell this story. And we tell it a lot. And we tell it over and over because it is a jewel that is worth spinning and looking and continuing to understand and let the beauty of it reveal itself to you. Because every time you tell it, you hear it in a new way. Every time you think about it in your life, it reveals more and more. You tell the Exodus story long time ago because it's still happening now. Because we've left the life of sin immediately, but the routine of sin has not left us. Amen? We receive God's justification, fancy talk for saying everything that we had done wrong that broke our relationship with God, that's all taken care of. But in the same moment in our Wesleyan faith, we say we are justified, but then we're sanctified. What That's a fancy word for saying, now we begin a journey where we break the routine of sin and we march on into perfection every day. It takes a whole life. We tell this story because it's our story. We're still living it. We're still turning it. We don't tell the story to judge others because that's going back to what they did way back when. We want to be the judge or we want to be God. That just leads us back into bondage. We remember the story and we tell it because we're going to be prepared when the world comes and presents the other stories and the world says, here, if you just, if you just give in to your temptation, if you just make decisions for yourself, then I'll give you all these worldly things. The powers always lead us to a path of destruction. 
Hell is the word for it, where humans don't flourish, where creation suffers from our actions, where we are overtaken by greed and our thirst for power. We know that world, yes? So we must be ready at every moment, must be prepared. We are to remember the story and to tell it again, which is one reason we have Holy Communion. We repeat the same words every month. We repeat the same actions every month, but somehow it continues to speak like a gem. We hear the words, we tell the story of our salvation and all that it means, and it continues to reveal beauty to us as we continue down the road of salvation. So we remember the story by telling it again, and we remember ourselves to the story, take our seat at the table, our place in the kingdom, into this new life, this new humanity, this new family. Through a life of faith, through a life of faith, we're sanctified. Will you walk it with me? Jesus Christ saves us from sin and ourselves and leads us into the way of salvation, life as it was intended, where we flourish, where life is full, where it is eternal, where it is with God, where it is when the reign and rule of God in the kingdom now and forevermore. So say yes today, my friends, as we take communion. Remember yourselves as you remember the story and as we put on the helmet of salvation. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website, at sellersburgumc.com.